The Coroner by M. R. Hall Narrated by Sean Thomas Prologue The first dead body Jenny ever saw was her grandfather's. She had watched her grandmother, sobbing into a folded handkerchief, draw the lids down over his empty eyes, and then, as her mother reached out to comfort her, sharply push the proffered hand away. It was a reaction she could never forget, accusatory, vicious, and utterly instinctive. And even as an eleven-year-old child, she had sensed in this moment, and in the exchange of looks that followed, a bitter and shameful history that would rest and settle behind the older woman's features, until seven years later, she too shuddered unwillingly from her body in the same bed. When, at the graveside, she stood behind her father as the coffin was lowered awkwardly into the ground, she was aware that the silence of the adults around her contained the poison of something so dreadful, so real, it gripped her throat and stopped up her tears. It would be many years later, when she was well into troubled adulthood, that the sensations of these two scenes crystallised into an understanding that in the presence of death, human beings are at their most vulnerable to truth, and that in the presence of truth, they are at their most vulnerable to death. It was this insight, gained the night her ex-husband greeted her with divorce papers, which had stopped her driving off a cliff or tumbling under an express train. Perhaps, just perhaps, she managed to convince herself, the morbid thoughts that had dogged her were no more than signposts on a dangerous and precipitous road, which she might yet navigate to safety. Six months on, she was still a long way from her destination, but far closer than she had been that night, when only a flash of memory, given meaning by far too much wine, brought her back from the brink. To look at her now, no one would know that anything had ever been wrong. On this bright June morning, the first of her new career, she appeared to be in the prime of her life. Chapter One Teen Terror Found Hanged Danny Wills, aged fourteen, was found hanging by a bedsheet from the bars of his bedroom window in Portshead Farm Secure Training Centre. The discovery was made by Mr. Jan Smersky, a maintenance worker at the privately run facility who had come to investigate a blocked toilet. Mixed-race Wills had served only ten days of a four-month detention and training order imposed by a Seven Vale Youth Court. Police were called to the scene, but D.I. Allen Tate told reporters that he had no grounds to suspect foul play. The son of 29-year-old Simone Wills, Danny was the oldest of six siblings, none of whom, according to close neighbours, share a father. His criminal record comprised drugs, public order and violent offences. His imprisonment followed a conviction for the violent theft of a bottle of vodka from Ali's off-licence on the Broadlands estate, Southmead. During the robbery, Wills threatened the proprietor, Mr. Ali Khan, with a hunting knife, threatening to cut his packy heart out. At the time of the offence, he was in breach of antisocial behaviour and curfew orders imposed only two weeks earlier for possession of crack cocaine. Stephen Shah of Southmead Residence Action today said that Wills was a well-known teen terror and a menace whose death should stand as a lesson to all young hooligans. Bristol Evening Post. Danny Wills's short stain of a life had come to an end shortly before dawn on a glorious spring morning, Saturday the 14th of April. He was, perhaps by fated coincidence, aged 14 years and as many days, 
earning him the dubious honour of being the youngest prison fatality of modern times. No one apart from his mother and the oldest of his three sisters shed a tear at his passing. Danny's six-and-a-half stone corpse was wrapped in white plastic and lay on a gurney in a corridor of the mortuary of Seven Vale District Hospital over the weekend. At eight o'clock on Monday morning, a consultant pathologist, Dr. Nick Peterson, a lean, marathon-running 45-year-old, glanced at the bruises rising vertically from the throat and decided it was suicide, but protocol required a full autopsy nonetheless. Later that afternoon, Peterson's brief report landed on the desk of Harry Marshall, Seven Vale District Coroner. It read, 1. Disease or condition directly leading to death. A. Asphyxiation due to strangulation. Antecedent causes. B. None. 2. Other significant conditions contributed.